Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I have a great talk today with my friend Ken Honda on happy money. And you're going to learn all about Ken and what happy money is and what your money type could be. Before we dive in, I want to talk to you about Father's Day. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, so it's literally around the corner. It's next week. And I have a really cool gift idea for you. So when you think about the man in your life that you want to celebrate on Father's Day, be it your father, your grandfather, a stepfather, your husband, the father of your children, I'm sure that that man has a story. And wouldn't it be cool to honor his story for Father's Day? I have a really neat way for you to do that. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved one to share their story with weekly emailed story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask. At the end of the year, they'll get their stories bound in a beautiful hardcover book. You can strengthen your family bonds and get to know your loved one in a whole new way. Okay, here's how it works. So you purchase a subscription for someone you love, like that man in your life that you want to honor for Father's Day. And each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. They simply reply to this email with their story. All stories are private and only shared with family that you choose. So it can be just between you and your dad or you and whoever you want to share with. After a year, their stories, like I said, will be bound in a beautiful keepsake book. So it's a really cool way to preserve your memories, pass on stories. Like I said, it's one year of weekly story prompts, so you don't have to think of what to ask. You can write and upload stories by email on the web or in the app. You can invite an unlimited number of people to review the stories. It's just really cool. And you can save it all on storyworth.com. The data is secure and everything is private by default. You control who sees your stories. So here's your call to action. For $20 off, go to storyworth.com slash over it. Again, storyworth.com slash over it to get 20% off. This is such a great gift for Father's Day, such an amazing way to connect with your father or that man in your life and to preserve those memories for life. Again, storyworth.com slash over it. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest today, Ken Honda. So Ken is a best-selling self-development author in Japan with book sales surpassing 7 million copies since 2001. Now he's sharing his work with English-speaking readers in the U.S. and beyond. His latest book is called Happy Money, The Japanese Art of Making Peace with Your Money. And for those of you who read Marie Kondo's book, The Art of Tidying Up, what she has done for decluttering, I think Ken Honda is going to do for money. So what is Happy Money? Well, Ken asserts that it's possible for anyone, no matter what their current financial status is, to live with more ease in their relationship to money. And we're going to talk all about that in my interview with him. So now on to my talk with happy money expert, Ken Honda. Ken, it's so great to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Christine. It's such a great honor to be invited to your show. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. And I'm looking at your book, Happy Money. And it's it's funny because my last book, Expectation Hangover, the cover is very similar. It has a circle with the title in the middle. And I know from knowing you that you don't mean happy money in the sense that money will make you happy. So I mm-hmm. would love to hear what your definition of happy money is. Yes. Uh, happy money is money that uh, makes you smile when you receive it and gives you joy when you spend it. 
it's for example a 10 year old boy buys a flower for his mother on mother's day with his allowance and for example other one is the charity money that we donate and that it's going to help other people so all the money that is trying to help people or give people good feeling it's very simple uh, when people uh, receive it you just feel happy and uh, you feel that you're cared for that's mm. happy money mm. and you write in the beginning of the book as your money smiling so how do i know if the money in my wallet or the money in my bank is smiling I think you can pretty much tell if you're, even if you're not psychic. If you do what you don't like, your money is crying in your wallet. And if you're trying to take advantage of the people and get money, that is also crying in your wallet. So if you're happy receiving money, happy receiving, paying money, that's happy money. Hmm. So just uh, you can probably come up with a few friends' names whose money is not smiling in their wallet. Hmm. And also other friends who are smiling, whose money are smiling in the wallet, right? Right. It's yeah. very intuitive, but you know. Yes. And it doesn't matter how much money they have. It's not, it, it, you can, I know people that have lots of money, but I wouldn't say their money is smiling because they, maybe they hold on to it tightly or they think their right. worth comes from it or, or people feel like, you know, they don't have enough money. And so it feels very like they go into a scarcity mindset. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, even if you don't have a ton of money, your money can still be happy? Right. So it's just about if you could appreciate your money or not. People who are taking advantage of other people and trying to get more money, I call it greedy money or yucky money. If you have that money in your, in your bank account, yeah. that makes you feel very miserable. And even if you have little money, if all the money is received with tender care, happiness, that makes you feel good. Yeah. So either we are in the flow of happy money or unhappy money. And if you're in the unhappy money flow, even if you're super wealthy, you don't do well with your family and your parents or your kids fight over money. So everybody becomes miserable. That's mm. what un unhappy money does. Mm. Can you share a little bit, Ken, because I love your story about how you became like the top best-selling author in Japan and soon will be in the United States as well and how you <laughs> made a big shift in your life and made your money happier? Yeah, thank you. So I retired when I was 29 out of doing consulting, accounting job, and I had enough money so I could retire a little early for at least a few months. But that few months became four years. And during this uh, semi-retirement time, I had this inspiration to write. And I wrote about 20-some pages and studied to give away my, my copies or essays on happiness and money. And my friends loved them. So I, every day I was stapling like 26 pages, like 20 copies a day. And I got sore hands. <laughs> and I was, yeah, I was complaining to my friend one day and he said, why don't you hire a printer? Which I did. And then he came and he said, we're going to print uh, small numbers for you. And I said, 500. And he, he said, no, we don't do 500. We start from 1,000. And okay. And I said, 1,000 seems a little bit too, too many, but I said, yes. And he said, 1,000, 3,000. Not much difference. It's just a matter of paper. <laughs> and it's right. It, it, it was supposed to be like $10 a copy. But then if you print 3000 somehow the cost drops down to like $2. Like, wow, that's a good deal. So he didn't tell me how many boxes it's going to be there. So, but he signed the contract. And a few weeks later, two trucks came in front of our house. And then 
two guys started unloading stuff. And I thought it's my neighbor moving in, but it's not. It's my booklets. And I was so upset because he didn't tell me there must be like 30 or 50 boxes of my booklets. I ordered, I signed the contract, but there's so many. So I had to empty one room and then took everything out and then put all the boxes in. I remember your wife wasn't happy about all those boxes all over your house. Yeah. So I, I tried to come up with a, come up with a good excuse, you know, like one day I came home and then boxes are here. No, it doesn't work. So I had to, I had to say, I'm so sorry. I, I messed up with the order. So uh, could you excuse me if I get rid of these uh, boxes in three months? And she smiled. She said, one month. And so I went crazy asking my friends to take away my, you know, boxes. So they're happy to receive uh, 10 copies, 100 copies, or like a, three boxes. And in two weeks, I got rid of all of them. And my wife was very happy. But what's interesting is that a, a few days later, we started getting calls from strangers who wanted more copies. So I printed another 3,000. This time, I was smart enough to uh, rent a storage unit. But, you know, I hired one person and I was so happy to give away my booklets because I was so bored with my tide raising life, which I had fun, but I was bored intellectually. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then um, after I gave away about 100,000 copies, a publisher called me and he wanted me to write a book. And that after that is a uh, sort of like a history of Japanese uh, book industry. And do you feel like when you switch from doing the accounting, even though you had enough money and you could retire for right. a while, that your money wasn't very happy then? I think probably half and half. My money is relatively happier because I help my clients succeed and do well. But the other part is I was doing off of my obligation as a son of an accountant. Um, and I wanted to please him and pleasing him was a big part of my life. Hmm. But I got this vision that uh, writing and speaking to people and inspiring people is my vision too. So I gradually left my accounting job and then left it to my uh, brother, who is now a successful accountant in my hometown. And then I started writing and speaking in a big scale. I talked to thousands of people all the time. And I published about 50 some books and sold almost 8 million copies right now. 8 million copies, Ken. Jeez Louise, you're an underachiever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my father was alcoholic, but instead I, I chose a different path. I'm a writer's alcoholic. Yeah, you, you got addicted to writing instead of alcohol. That, yes. was, a, that was a and wise speaking. choice. And, that, and that's the thing. Like we all have, I think human beings naturally have quote unquote an addictive personality. We want to feel passionate about something. We yes. want to feel I'm like too. we can <laughs> yes. we can create things and we can if we don't feel passionate about something, we're gonna find something to make us feel high. We all crave right. that adrenaline hit on in some way or another. And and I can relate mm -hmm. to that. I just facilitated my um bonus days for people in my online courses this past weekend. And I, even though I was sick as a dog, I I felt so high afterwards because I just love connecting and facilitating and teaching so, so much. And I just feel like that's my most authentic expression. And, and any money I make for that, I, from that, I know is happy because one, I, I love doing it. Right. And, and two, yes. I know it serves people. And, and three, I also worked on my money story. You know, I, I grew up, my dad's amazing and I, and he worked really, really, really hard. So I had it in my head that in order to make money, 
I could do it. Like I could be successful, mm-hmm. but I just had to work super long hours and work really, really hard. And in my first career as an agent in my early twenties, I made good money, but I was working 12, 14 hour days on weekends. I was working all the time. And so I really, mm. so I was making money, but my money wasn't very happy because I was so tired and I wasn't yes. enjoying it. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about like our money story and, yes. and how we start to get clear on what's impacting our ability to have happy money and make money beyond just our salary. Right. So as I helped people do well as an uh, uh, in consulting and accounting job, I realized that it's not just about us. Uh, we are so influenced by our parents. And also, if you study them well, uh, we are also uh, influenced by our grandparents because our grandparents or grand-grandparents grew up in a depression time and money is in such shorthand, so uh, we are scared of let go of letting go of money. So uh, we are so afraid of money. And even though it's been almost like 70, 80 years after the depression, a part of us still feels like we need to hang on to the money. Mm. So it's um, insane that uh, how we are influenced by our parents and grandparents about uh, spending and earning. And unless we pay close attention to what's going on in our life, everything is automatic. Yep. So the communication and the feeling around money is hereditary. So uh, you have to really at least pay close attention to how your parents grew up with money and what they taught you, because that teaching is still in us. Unless we clear it up, a lot of unhealthy relationship is here. The other thing, Ken, that I loved about your book, which I think would be so valuable to go over for my listeners because they love to like identify themselves, is money IQ and then the money EQ types. Mm -hmm. Could you talk a little bit about those? Yes. I realized that there are money IQs and money EQs because some intelligent people, super intelligent people make incredible, uh, disastrous emotional mistakes and then they lose it all. So there's uh, this thing called emotional intelligence around money. And unless you have these two, you cannot find happy life because a high money IQ and low money EQ, you become very unhappy, successful people. And high money EQ and low money IQ, you're a happy person with no money. So you have to have both. And what's the difference between money IQ and EQ? Money IQ is financial intelligence. So everything about you need to know about taxes, how to make money, how to grow money, how to protect money, like legally. Those things are written and taught a lot. But what's not taught a lot everywhere in the world is money EQ, which is my specialty. Money EQ has uh, four pillars. And the number one is receive well. We are so good at giving, yeah. but we are so bad at receiving. So money EQ, number one, is receive well. And unless we receive well, it cannot stay in a system. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing for a lot of listeners in this show is not just receiving money, but receiving help, asking for help and then receiving it, you know, receiving gifts, receiving compliments, <laughs> all of those things. Receiving referrals too. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're, if you're starving coaches, that number EQ and uh, number one EQ, that's what you're missing. Receive yeah. well. Yeah. 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 And number two is appreciation. When we receive money, we feel awkward. You know, we don't pay a huge respect or just we don't show, wow, I'm so great. I'm so happy that I received money. Instead, we feel like, oh, okay, you know, 
So when you receive money, just appreciate your money. Thank money. Yeah. Arigato money. That's too. <laughs> Arigato because, money. That's thank you in yeah. Japanese, everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, when you appreciate, things appreciate. Exactly. That's, oh, yeah, that's a great quote. Two. When you appreciate, right. things appreciate. That's great. Yeah, that's my mentor, Lynn, Lynn Twist, taught me. So number three is trust. Trust life, trust money flow. Our biggest unhappiness is uh, comes from money worries. We worry about money. That's we try to fight with our, uh, our siblings, mm. uh, parents, and partners. It's about control. If we feel scared, we tend to control our uh, partners or kids. And we blame them by spending too much. Well, earning too little. Yep. But if we have trust, 100% trust of life or the future, we don't have to fight over money. Mm. So this uh, trusting money flow is such a biggest thing. You know what we do to an, uh, or a three-day seminar, just don't trust life. And mm. if you can do that, you know, you'll be free from money. Mm. What do you mean by trust life? Trust life is, uh, for example, the reason why we're so afraid of money is like we're not afraid of money itself we are afraid of a situation with no money so we cannot pay bills we uh, would be evicted out of the house or we right. lose a house or uh, you know bad mess messy situation right but i've interviewed so many millionaires and most of them ended up being in a situation with no money but it didn't kill them it didn't stop them worrying about situation with no money kills you yeah. And it makes your money unhappy and makes it harder to attract it to you. Yeah, it's so true. So seeking uh, security in money is a wrong idea because yeah. there's no, there's none. Exactly. Instead, you, instead you have to seek security in people. Mm. And in yourself. People you. yeah, <laughs> yeah. In people who love you. Uh, exactly. Because there are people, your friends, who they're not going to let you fall. Yeah. But you're afraid once again uh, about receiving well. Uh, if you're in a bad situation, you can ask for help and I'm sure your friends will help you. Yes. Yes. We had one, um, woman who didn't think she could come to a retreat of mine. And I just had this intuitive feeling that there was someone in her family who would gift it to her. And I go, is there anyone in your family who'd gift it? And she's like, no. And then she goes, well, you know, a year ago, my uncle sent me an email saying, if I ever needed anything to please ask him. And I said, yeah. well, now's the time. <laughs> now's yes, the time. Exactly. And it's a gift. It was a gift to him. Yeah. Amazingly, people will show up. Yes. 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 And and the first person may not show up, but that's why you got to keep asking. And we're not saying just True. don't take responsibility and ask people for money and not be responsible. But we are saying if you hit rock bottom or something like that and you're in dire straits, you're not alone in the world. And there are people and trust that life will support you. Yeah. Yes. So Ken, in our last few moments here, I really, I love these, the EQ money types, like the compulsive right. saver, the um, compulsive spender. Can we go over each one and you can kind of describe right. it. And if someone's in that, maybe give them some tips for shifting it. Right. So I've seen, uh, I've done a lot of counseling and I realized there are many uh, money types uh, that you can see. It's like some like archetypes, yes. like a uh, saver type. Uh, they love saving. A spender type, they love spending. The funny thing is that these two get married often. <laughs> <laughs> it's irony of life. It's so funny because I've, I've, I've counseled Indian couples, European couples, Chinese couples, American couples, African couples. 
they are the same. Somehow the spender marries a saver. Yeah. And they fight over money. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. And then there is a compulsive money maker. Uh huh. What is that type like? Uh, they're the, a Wall Street hedge fund or a business uh, workaholic type. Right. Their identity is wrapped uh, up in making money. Yes. They love making money. So, yeah. and then, and um, they don't like spending money. Yeah. Yeah. Or giving money. <laughs> right. So they, they love looking at their bank account numbers. Huh. Yeah. So that's, that's a, that's a type. And there are so many others, but what you have to know is you have to heal the pain around money. Uh, the reason why people uh, become a money saver type is like, uh, you save money. So you feel secure. Yeah. But no matter how much money you save, you don't feel secure. That's a tragedy and irony. Yeah. Yeah. And then you really realize that your money doesn't, your security does not come from money. Yeah. Right. And there are two, there are two I want to, because I think a lot of people in my audience will relate to the hippie type and the saver splurger type. Can you talk about those two? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's so many, so many other types that we can spend the, the time all day. But so there are people who usually save, save, save in the regular days, but on holidays and it's almost like a, a, you, you just go on a diet. You try to stay awake from cake and ice cream. But on a, a festival day, you just do it all, just spend it all. So that type of people. And also the hippie type is a type that uh, you try to stay away from money. And life is good without any money. But in fact, you need money to have a fun hippie life. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a warrior type that no matter what, yeah. they're always worried about money. Right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, the, somehow when these two get married, you know, there's a, they create funny stories and comedies and sometimes horror stories. <laughs> when when they're divorcing, it be, usually becomes a horror story. Yeah. And they yeah. try to ask me, uh, Ken, what do you think? Which, who's right? You know, and both of them are right. Both of them are wrong because they're doing uh, exactly the opposite thing that they, they need to do. Yeah. So exactly. like, unless you understand, try to understand each other, there's no healing no connection, but we're so different. That's something you really have to understand. So you said understand each other, but I'm just curious if you have any other tips for, let's say someone's in a relationship, be it a marriage or a business partnership or whatever, where they're yes. obviously different types and there's right. constantly disagreements or, or fights about money. How yes. would you suggest um, someone deal with that or shift that? So you really have to understand how the other money types think. Because like a compulsive moneymaker type and a saver type, they may start business together because a compulsive moneymaker type need, he or she thinks that they need a partner who are stable and, you know, who take care of all the details. And a saver are usually those people. So, you know, they, they kind of love each other and then they end up getting married. But so uh, at, the, at the beginning of a relationship, they respect each other. They're attracted to each other. But when the relationship is going to our boredom stage, they tend to be annoyed by exact uh, uh, trade that they are attracted for. Mm. For example, uh, uh, if you're in business, uh, the moneymaker type want to uh, risk it all and then grow, try to grow your business. But the other part says, oh, no, 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 that's too much risk. So if you're like, don't be a coward. You cannot grow business if you don't borrow money from other people. Use OPM, other people's money. Mm. And that saver type is, oh, no, that's so 
so wrong, you know. And so uh, many uh, different type, uh, different money type people think very differently. And both of them are right. It's either uh, you take a risk or not. So even just around risk, they have different views. And you really have to understand that. And both of them are right. Yeah, I guess it's the key to resolving any argument is not projecting your model of the world onto someone else, really understanding how they think and finding some kind of middle ground. Because a saver and a spender, they're never going to be happy together unless the spender learns how to save and the saver learns how to spend. Or they they just kind of together reshift how they look at money, you know, because... I think that I probably was like a saver for a long time. Uh-huh. And, mm-hmm. but what that did is it, it put like money in my bank account, but because I was so risk adverse to spending or investing, I didn't grow the money. So I had mm-hmm. to bring a little of that spender or investor into that uh-huh. and have some quote unquote risk. And the more trust I had for myself and the more trust and support I had in my life, the better it felt to do that. But when I didn't have a lot of trust in my life, I felt like I had to save, 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 and not really spend uh-huh. a lot. So I think we all can, you know, think of our money type and not, and know it was created usually based on fear, based on what our parents showed us. And it's not set in stone. We can completely shift our money type. And what would you say is like a money type that we is, is the most desirable or the healthiest? <laughs> so uh, the happy money type is the, the most desirable one. People receive money with smile uh-huh. and then spend money with a smile on his face or her face. Mm. So if you do that, it doesn't really matter how much you, you make or um, how much you have. It's about the feeling around money. If you can just find gratitude in receiving and giving, that is a beautiful state. And then they're, they're going to end up uh, attracting more money too. Yeah. So I, I understand, like, I feel really good when I pay my team or when I give to charity or I help a friend. But when I have to pay a parking ticket or mm-hmm. an exorbitant amount of taxes, <laughs> sometimes yes. I don't do that with a smile on my face. Yeah. Uh-huh. So how do we pay for the things or things that we're like, oh, you know, that we're not so happy to be spending on? How do we shift that? Yeah. So if you're paying a lot of taxes, that means that you made a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just you can be proud. Or, you know, for example, I'm paying $100,000 in taxes. That, may, that means I'm making so much money, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So like, wow, I'm so excited. I can afford to pay this much tax. Oh, I'm a big shot now, you know, for example. And, and then you can appreciate that the fact that you're making so much money, somebody paid you the money. Yeah. I guess if I felt our system worked a little better, I wouldn't feel so bad about it. <laughs> like if we had better health care and things like that, but that's for me to shift. But it's a good thing to keep in perspective, even when I'm paying like a parking ticket or or whatever that, you know, it's like, this is just part of the, the, the money dance and the happier I am paying the, if I can be as happy paying a parking ticket as writing a check to charity, then I'm happier and my money's happier. Right. Yeah. And also if you can just shift your attitude that, that the tax money that you're paying is making rows, paying for kids and it's good. It does, it does what do, you know, uh, do support people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So instead of focusing on the race that they're making, you can appreciate that they're the doing good it stuff. great. Yeah. Yeah. The good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the reality is uh, a lot of things don't work. Right. Yeah. And it's the reality. But at least if, if your money is trying to help people, that's a great thing. Well, and I guess the only way we're going to make more things work is if more people have happy money. 
Yes, yeah. that is so true. Yeah. Yeah. So so don't focus on what you're not uh, happy about. Just focus on what you can appreciate about. Because there are many reasons that you can appreciate about your money and life. Yes. And if you start doing that, you just find yourself in the cycle of appreciation. And that attracts more fun stuff and money too. Yes. That's, a, that's such a great note to end on. And we'll bring back the quote, the more you appreciate, the more your money appreciates, which is just yes. brilliant. So Ken, tell everyone where they can connect more with you and where they can get the book, Happy Money. Thank you so much, Christine. Uh, you can find my information at kenhonda.com. And uh, my book is coming out on June 4th, my first book uh, in English. And it's such an easy read. So I hope you can take a look in the bookstore and it's going to be everywhere in the airport uh, and uh, all the bookstores and Amazon. Awesome. Well, it's on Amazon and they can pre-order it. And then June 4th, it'll yes. be available. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you so much, Christine. See you soon. 